1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, Episode 4. Coming off a 26-9 victory over the Ravens, when was the last time we had a victory in Ravens Stadium?
0: Over four years ago, ladies and gentlemen, so this drubbing couldn't have come at a better time either. Steelers now hold sole possession of first place in the AFC North the way it was meant to be. And uh, as of right now, that Chiefs game is going on, and the Redskins were up 7-0. So hopefully they can hold that off. And if the Chiefs lose, then the Steelers will find themselves first place in the AFC with the tie. But if not, the worst they can do is second place overall. So big win for the Steelers at the Ravens, a rare one in Baltimore.
1: Sounds like you're projecting the season based on a quarter of the results. And I'd ask you, is this our 2017 Steelers? Is the cake-baked jet Is this the personality we're going to see for the remainder of the season? Because I'm not sure that everybody's emerged. I think Le'Veon is finally out of his preseason doldrums. Martavis has yet to break out, but Mm -hmm. Ben, to me, seems to be stuck in uh, preseason.
0: Well, yeah, to answer your question, I think that some Steelers fans were disappointed with how the The game started really hot, and the Steelers really cooled off and let the Ravens back into the game. But here's the good news. This cake is not baked. No way. This souffle has not been flayed. This creme brulee does not have the hard sugar crust. No. So there's so much room for improvement. I do think you saw a little bit of improvement from everybody, especially the offensive line. And the Steelers won a game against... What is, you know, a depleted Ravens team? The them not having Brandon Williams is pretty enormous. And, uh, but look, you got to win these games. You're winning, uh, another road game. And there are a lot of things to be happy about. And the Steelers are only going to get better. I think that they're really on the cusp of, uh, of unleashing that offense. But it definitely didn't get unleashed this week.
1: Well, I'm not sure I agree with you. I'm not sure who has yet to, um, who, wh- Who's going to change? Who's going to emerge at this point?
0: I think Ben is still not totally in his rhythm yet, and I think particularly Ben's connection with Martavis, like you were saying before. Martavis started flashing in that second half when Ben hit him on two post patterns in a row, and Marty went up and grabbed that thing looking like a stud. And Those are the kind of catches you want to see him make. You want to see them get in that rhythm. So once again... (sighs) I was unable to get over this at the end of the game. I had a sour taste in my mouth after the game, simply because of one play was for the second straight, for the second week in a row, Ben overthrew Martavis on a wide open, sure fire high school throw for a touchdown pass. Now it's a game of inches. Once he starts hitting that, and I believe he will, based on what you've seen from the quality of throws that Ben has been making, it's not like his arm is disappearing like, Philip Rivers, or Eli Manning. I think Ben can get that under control. And even if you make that one throw and get that touchdown, this game looks totally different. The deep ball is a huge part of the Steelers' offense. We'll get into more of that later. But I do think once they get that going, then you'll have a complete arsenal.
1: Well, right now, that's just kinetic energy. It's potential. I'm not sure it's going to happen. I mean, of course, his arm isn't shot, but it, maybe it's the accuracy. I, Why don't we run into the three themes of the game?
0: Let's do it. Three themes for today. Number one, the obvious, it is a run game revival over there in Baltimore from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that this game looked pretty much identical to every game in the second half of last season. Think when the Steelers won in Buffalo. Think of when they won in Kansas City in the playoffs. Basically, it is a heavy, heavy run game um, with solid D solid defense playing usually against a mediocre quarterback and mediocre passing attack, which the Steelers were lucky to run into a lot of those last year. But Hey, let's face it. A lot of the quarterbacks and passing attacks in the league are like that. Um, and then there's a, the Steelers offense is complimented, but complemented by a decent pass game. Um, we lacked the big plays right now that we got last year on some of those bombs, but we also did not turn the ball over like they were in the, in the second half of last year. So Really like the run game revival. It may have not been explosive, only about 4.1 yards per carry, but it was very effective. Obviously, Le'Veon getting over, you know, 140 yards or whatever it was.
1: Theme number two: as you mentioned, the passing game still isn't quite in sync. Been through for 18 for 30, 216 yards, an average of 17, 7.2 yards per carry. Uh, not unhappy with the uh the production as much as I am the missed passes. That makes me a little uh skeptical. And he's got to he's gotta write that. Last week he was actually inaccurate short, acknowledging we don't always know whether it's Ben's fault or somebody ran a wrong route, but there were enough there was enough evidence to point to a definitely a glitch in the either communication or the accuracy.
0: Yeah, I actually looking back on this game, watching it again, I realized he may have not been quite as inaccurate as we thought the the bomb to Martavis just sticks out so badly because not only is that a throw that Ben should make and has been making for over 10 years but really any quarterback in the NFL or college or high school for that matter can make that throw now I I will say that Hubbard got run over on that play And his guy was right in Ben's face when he tried to make it. But that was the big boo-boo. When I look back at it, I realized there were about three passes that got knocked down at the line of scrimmage. So that kind of hurt the completion percentage. And then the the freak, I put this in air quotes, interception on the pass to AB. So the percentage would have looked a lot better with some of those things. Whether they were Ben's fault for delivering the ball low or the lineman's fault for not getting defensive linemen's hands down or if they were just good plays by the Ravens defensive linemen, I don't know. But when I rewatched it, he was a bit, he was a bit more accurate than he's been in past weeks. But bottom line is the Steelers are lacking that deep ball game. He's really only completed one the whole year to Martavis on that free play on the first game, I believe. And uh, they need to get that under wraps, but Hey, they were careful with the football. That's good.
1: So theme number three, we continue to get gashed by some big run plays. And in particular, we had in the first play of the game, a 21-yard run, and later on in the game, a 50-yard run. They seem to be um, exact replicas of what we saw last week. So we're we're still nervous about filling the gap and stopping the big big play.
0: Yeah, the Steelers, the defensive line has been looking good. This is the first time all year that T.J. Watt, but, well, let's put it this way, that all of the starters played. Tuitt, Hayward, Watt, Bud, and then you had Hargrave in there. Bud. And, obviously, Cam missed all of last year, so it was the first time having the, the moneymakers on the defensive line together. And they look good, it and Hayward, but really everybody's getting a good push. That being said, you know, there's these ginormous, massive canyon-like running lanes every once in a while. And uh, like those big passing plays used to kill the Steelers a couple years ago, weirdly enough, right now, it's the big running play. So that's something that the Steelers are going to really need to shore up going forward because it happened again today and that's becoming a real trend.
1: So let's not look like we're uh, glass half empty guys, but the themes were the game, run game revival, positive, still not sure, the the passing game still is in in sync, is a... Little south of positive, and the the big run plays have to have to stop. So yeah. Steelers up uh, post fans, we are uh, developing a new segment, and we're looking for your input. Uh, right now, our working title is the five crucial or cool plays of the game.
0: Yeah, we could do five tight plays, five uh, you know uns- five uh, gems, maybe five glorious B sides, something like that. I just wanted to list five plays in the game that were either huge turning points. Some of those might be obvious like a long run or an interception or a couple plays that maybe are signifiers of bigger things to come. For instance, one of my favorite plays of the season so far was actually Jesse James caught like a seven-yard ball in the first game where he got hammered right when he caught it. And to me, that was something that I hadn't seen Jesse do. It was a very Heath Miller-like play moving the chain so that indicated to me that hey this guy might actually be improving um just like martavis's catch to uh the high catch is nice to see him do that so whether they're going to be big obvious ones like a scoring play or a turnover or something like that or something more subdued you know we're gonna we're gonna play around with that just email us at steelers at gmail.com if you got any suggestions so, so think, you want to take the first one?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to highlight some of the plays that didn't happen that should have happened and, and you've mentioned nice. this already. Ben's overthrow of Martavis. Happened again, it would have been a great breakout play. I'm not sure it would this be, would be considered a turning point, but uh we would have relaxed a little earlier in the, the game, game have and been had would been been
0: connected. Over. game would have been over. And it's crazy. Football is a game. Well, it was a game of inches it's last a game week of inches. in Chicago. On well, Chicago was legitimately inches. The ball hit the tips of his fingers. If Ben had, you know, thrown in a couple inches shorter, or if Martavis was able to inch or stretch out a couple inches, you would have had a 75-yard touchdown in the first play of the game. Likely, that whole game would have, you know, unfolded differently. This week, it was actually a couple feet overthrown. It looks like, but the narrative would have been totally different today. The Steelers would have put the nail in the coffin earlier in the game. You would have had an extra, you know, 30, 40 passing yards on there. Ben has an extra touchdown. Martavis has a touchdown and more yards. Oh, look, he had a great game when really it was, um, you know, after that they had to settle for a field goal. Actually, I might have missed the field goal. And um, regardless, yeah, to me, that was, that was very significant. Would have changed the complexion of the whole game.
1: So the second crucial play, speaking of overthrows, uh, Flacco had his own overthrow to Wallace. So that was, which is a positive, but the negative is that there was nobody there with Mike Wallace at the time he was overthrown, making me nervous about the secondary, a secondary that has yet to be tested by an upper echelon quarterback.
0: Every week, except for the game against the pitiful Mike Glennon. There have been wide-open receivers running deep that either Case Keenum or Deshaun Kaiser or now Joe Flacco missed. And then if we want to put a two B, uh, Steelers fans were probably chuckling when they saw this, a uh, little bit of a flashback, if you will, when Wallace dropped that easy long pass that he fumbled and bumbled uh, after burning Artie Burns for the second year in a row. So you complete either one of those complexion. Of the game is is totally different. It's frustrating to. Uh, see that the Steelers let a guy like Mike Wallace, who basically only runs straight, um, get open like that. But we do miss Mike. Be nice to have him. Okay, number three. I think this was, okay, so this is more of the subdued nature that we were talking about. One of my favorite plays of the whole game was the third offensive play of the game. So this is about third and four. Le'Veon picks up the first down on a really slick shovel pass from Ben. Nice call from Todd Haley really an awesome job by ben he drew the defenders in there and he he was going rajon rondo on those dudes just shoveled it right underneath just nice sun glistening off his helmet well it
1: was the definition of of threading the needle i mean it from our angle it looked like the the ball went through fingers let alone between hands it was an awesome play
0: here's the thing that i really like about that there's a few subtleties you think it's there's not much to throwing a shovel past. The guy is a couple feet in front of you. Yeah, a lot of times he's going to be open, but when you're playing quarterback, there's actually Ben needs to make it convincing that he's throwing down the field. So he needed to wait the proper amount of time and then throw a little accurate shuffle into the right place. Also, the blocking actually was not that great on that play. Uh, Jesse James and another one of the linemen, I believe Hubbard, they were coming out to pull outside for Le'Veon to clear some lane, and they basically just... Ran around aimlessly, not blocking anybody. So Le'Veon gets it, and almost right when he catches it, he gets hit, and he falls forward, just like he did on the prior two plays. That drive started on the three-yard line, right? Awesome punt by the Ravens punter, Sam Cook, whatever his name is. Um, And you think, okay, this is already bad news. You know, Steelers haven't been in a rhythm offensively. If this were last year, I'd be happy, but I don't know about this year. First play, handoff to Le'Veon. He gets stuffed up the middle, but falls forward for three yards. Second play, stuffed up the middle, falls forward for three yards, makes a manageable third and four. Todd Haley makes a nice play, and the Steelers, for the first time this season, didn't go three and out on their first possession. So I loved that play.
1: So the the next play we, uh, we identified was Ryan Shazier's interception, but I'm making an audible. I... Love that, but it seemed to be designed. The play seemed to be designed as a pass to Ryan. I would prefer to look at the tip pass that Hilton caught, and that that interception that he had. That um, Shazier got up in the air, kind of like T.J. Watt got up in the air for the uh, right, interception he yeah. grabbed. So, you know, pick your pick your joyous play. But either way, Shazier, as I said before, he's playing three positions on every play. He's amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it was a forced throw a little bit on fourth down, I believe. But that Campanero, I believe, was running behind them, and he would have been open in the seam. Shazier really got up there. I do have to vehemently disagree with your uh, your analysis of the Shazier interception, though. Why you doing? Um, When I why'd you do that? Because I told you right now. I tell you right now. Okay, very impressive. Shazier, when it was on TV, it looked like oh man, Flacco just threw it right to him, but the but it was actually incredibly impressive what he did. Uh, the play was designed, so Ben Watson, the tight end, was on the left side of the Ravens' formation, and he ran a drag route, short, shallow, basically five yards and across the field, just all the way to the other side. And uh, Flacco play action to to the left. So we got Ben Watson running across the field from left to right. Flacco sees Shazier and Williams and all the Steelers players follow the play action to the left, there's no way that they're going to be able to like to cut on a dime and turn around and start running to the right with Ben Watson. But somehow Shazira sees Watson going across there. He just pirouettes like Britnikov and boom, accelerates almost like a little AB and catches it. Makes it look easy, but the turnaround. around
1: or B- Fred Balitnikov.
0: I'm thinking the ballerina, right?
1: Berishnikov. Yeah. The Russian a little, guy.
0: A little right. pirouette. Pirouette. Litnikov couldn't have turned like that, man. No way. He didn't have to. He was
1: punted most of the time.
0: He was a receiver. All right.
1: Crucial or cool play number five.
0: I like the Marty high snag. It was nice. It was, uh, you know, you could say it was a high throw, but I think it was a good throw. Marty's a giant. Um, It was a bullet. Really nice. Martavis went up and engulfed that thing with his hands. Full extension. And then just showed what makes him such a rare, rare player. Like, he was about 16, 17 feet in the air when he caught that. The guy's right behind him. And he lands on the ground. Any other guy usually gets tackled right away, but he just glided on by for another 10 or so yards. That, those are the kind of plays that we need Marty to make. They can't just be screens and, and go routes. Yeah, that post was nice, and then he caught another one in the next play. So I love that high snag.
1: So those are our five crucial or cool plays. I'd like to interject. This isn't a segment, but it was an observation during the game. Did everybody else agree that the camera work was suspect during this game? And I'll give you I'll give you the exhibit A. The punt <laughs> return or the actually the um the field goal return by Hayden. It looked like one of those yeah. that the Boston College last-minute touchdown where people are all over the field and the camera doesn't know where the ball was. But Hayden actually he tossed the ball. I never even knew that until I read the uh the script at the end. So the the camera work was all over the place. I felt that a lot of times the the camera uh, we're still looking at slow motion replays when the next play had already started. So I think yeah. the uh, that that was uh, less than less than. Who did uh, the broadcast, desirable.
0: CBS. I don't. Right, they were trying to do more Blair Witch Project there, than right. than NFL football. Gross. Don't like it. Cloverfield. Keep all it right. to the movie theaters. Sorry for the all tangent. Right. So. As is tradition here on Steelers Outpost podcast, we're going to give you some grades for the offensive and defensive units and the special teams, and then also for the positional groups individually. So let's start off with the offense. You know what? I realized I didn't even put a grade next to them when I made this outline, but I got to say, I'm going to give them. It, it feels weird to give them anything less than a B because it was such a, a big improvement, but. They had a great first half and a pretty mediocre second half. Very sloppy with the penalties still and got themselves in a lot of third and long situations, which uh, those are the themes of the year, those third and longs and those penalties and not being able to connect on the deep ball. I do like the fact that they're not turning it over. I like the fact that they were able to run the ball today. Like I said, not hugely efficient, but – they did do a good job. They got red zone penalties on the first two trips in there. Uh, went three of five in the red zone. Probably would have gotten to 30 points if, uh, you know, there was – boss missed a field goal. That's obviously a special teams thing. And Tomlin, of course, going for two and missed that instead of going for the one. So you could have gotten to 30. I'm going to give them a B- minus though because I, I just – can't believe this thing with the penalties and the third and longs and getting into those type of situations. And I think that they asserted themselves well against an undermanned defense that is super talented. But uh, there's still some room to go. So I'm going to give them a B- minus for this game.
1: Yeah, I'd just like to chime in. You want to see the offensive line blowing up some holes. Le'Veon did a a workman-like job with 144 yards on the ground, a 4.1 average, which is which is great it was, it was a good average, but he had to work for every yard, and I would have liked mm. to have seen the holes that our defense has
0: been exposed for. right so, so they did they did a good job. hey, they improved the way I look at this game is if you take the we're done with the first quarter of the season. We're out three and one. It, yes, it should be four and oh, but look at all the other teams that have dropped games that they shouldn't have the Patriots, the Broncos, Cowboys, everybody. So if you remove the aberration the horror show that was the Bears game. If you take that out of the equation, I think that you see incremental improvement. I think the Steelers played pretty terrible against the Browns, but the Browns have the definition of terrible, at least at this point in time, so got past there. Then the game against the Vikings. Yes, you played Case Keenum, but I saw improvements in the rhythm of the offense and some things that the defense did, and I think this game, very similar to the Vikings game, But you did finally get Le'Veon Bell going. So I think you're seeing incremental improvement. Just as long as it continues next week against a good Jaguars defense, I think will be good.
1: I agree. We're going north. So let's move into the quarterback grade. You know, when I think of Ben these days, I think I mentioned Snickers bar during the game. But the more I think about him, I, I look at him as one of those guys from the 40s or the 30s who basically has a Winston between his lips on the sideline. The offense has to go, and he He's flicks it player. aside.
0: That's Jay Cutler. That's Jay Cutler.
1: Well, in Ben's case, he actually still has a cigarette in his mouth during the play. He is still cool under pressure. I I don't want to overemphasize uh, that he hangs onto the ball too long. I think I think it works out for him in most cases rather than against him. And that calm under pressure usually pays off. He had a great third and long, great third and long throws uh, under heavy pressure to Juju and to the Outlaw. He's I- He's gotten rid of the ball. He got rid of the ball more times during the game than I, have, than I saw him last week. And I, he, just his execution of the shovel passes is magnificent.
0: Those were awesome. Those are, those are subtle. The subtle shovel. That's what they call him. The subtle shoveler. Regardless, here's the thing with Ben. We, I, we, we're giving him a C this week. That miss to Marty was absolutely brutal. Obviously, we haven't even talked about the A-B tantrum yet Uh, on the midst of that play. But I I, that, to me, looked like a broken play. So it would have been great if he saw him, but it looks like A.B. was running a crossing pattern across the field, and he wasn't open there. So Ben was just moving on with his reads. So think of that what you will, but I've watched that play a number of times. Uh, I, I can't really honestly put that on him. But, you know, he was smart with the football, but we expect Ben to be a dominator. We expect Ben to be the guy who throws for 400 yards in Seattle like he did a couple years ago to light up the chiefs in the, in the fourth game of the season, like he did last year. He, we're going to be on Ben watch all season, obviously, because of the comments he made before, before the season started about retirement and the play of his peers, Philip uh, Phillip rivers and Eli Manning and Carson Palmer, who have all been pretty much horrific. Uh, the thing is, if you watch those guys play, I think that there's a very noticeable decline of physical skill. Ben, like you said, made some amazing throws and he's made some great throws. Um, Throughout the season, I think he just needs to get his mojo going. He is an old-school cigarette-smoking gun-slinging son of a gun who works very well off of momentum, and sometimes if he doesn't get his completions, he doesn't get into that momentum. So I think once he breaks the saran wrap on some of that long stuff, we will really have what we need in the offense. But, hey, uh, we expect more out of Ben. We're going to give him a C for today.
1: Well, moving on to to Levion. is there anything more in the, to say than we already have? The man worked for his yards yesterday, and he got a a Franco Harris-like load of runs, uh, 35 carries for 144
0: yards. That's insane, and he's done it multiple times in recent history, and he can handle it. And also, like another former Steelers great, the bus used to get better with each carry. Le'Veon's the exact same way. Listen— I've watched all of the games this season multiple times. I don't see much of a difference in the way Le'Veon's played. I think he's ran very well all season, honestly. And he's working hard for yards that haven't been there, and they just were able to give him the touches that he needed this game. I don't even necessarily think the line played tremendously better. They definitely played better because there were some of those counters, those counters to the left with DeCastro pulling and Rosie leading those money counters that they've been running with Le'Veon for two years. Um, and a lot of those worked today. I remember the two years ago, there was the Titans game and, or the, I believe it was against the Panthers. And then the Bengals back to back where Le'Veon had about 300 yards, two games in a row, all purpose. Most of them running that counter. It's crazy that it still works. So,
1: well, Can we I, also mention um, some other interesting plays? James Conner had a, uh, a long, long run of 23 yards. He yeah. seemed to be used really really kind of effectively, and I'd love to know why he's inserted at those times. I get Terrell Watson. I guess he's just our big back now, uh, and he, he did his job on his one carry for one yard. Connor, though, is an interesting he's story.
0: He's Gary Russell, part two. Uh, sure. Tomlin loves those kind of dudes. Well, it's great to see them get Connor in there. We can't give Le'Veon Bell 35 carries all year listen, it's it, you can't do that. So hopefully they do start figuring out a way to get Connor the ball a few more times, sort of like the Cowboys did last year with Alfred Morris. They would spell um, Zeke in the third quarter for like one drive, and then he would just emasculate the other team in the fourth quarter. So hopefully they can figure something out with Connor there. But we're giving Le'Veon an A-plus for today.
1: Uh, we're going to move into what we, we typically – moved to AB before we'd move to the wide receivers at large. AB through no fault of his own. What can he say? C plus, uh, I don't even think you can call it a pedestrian day. He had four receptions for 34 yards. And yeah, had, I guess now t- we can talk about the Gatorade tipping incident.
0: I love how all his teammates defended him. <laughs> Just said he's a competitor. I think in one way they're all absolutely right, you know, <laughs> Ab actually, is funny. He's a, he's a real undercover diva. He doesn't he's he can be a bit of a diva. We know that he uh, considers himself above the law a little bit. And hey, he's the man. And my as far as I'm concerned, he he is to an extent. But this is something to keep keep an eye on through the rest of the season. If he has some more tantrums like that, that's going to be hugely detrimental to the team. I like how they didn't make it a big deal. Um, I think that was the right move to make. But let's hope that he. You know, it doesn't take a mile if people are giving an inch. I think that he... But also, he had the two drops. The drop on the two-point conversion, that that wasn't... I think he was just trying to make a play, but it was weird that he didn't even catch it. And then the weird play where he got spun around on the ground. I don't even really know if I can put that on him, but you got to hold on to the ball. Um, It's, you know...
1: Knee was down.
0: Yeah, that was... Just an atrocious call. But
1: there's, I don't think he could do any better than C+. He, he just lacked opportunities that game.
0: Yeah. What are you going to do? So let's move on to the rest of the wide receivers, the non-Antonio Brown variety. So that's basically going to be Marty and Juju. I loved this game from Juju. They, are, they had Eli Rogers down as inactive this week, and I was unhappy with the lack of targets and lack of plays for Eli last week. I think he had 21 snaps because... I think the guy is really talented and he has come a long way and he was only going to get better, but look, they've made a decision. They want the big boy in there, Juju. And he had a monster day blocking. He depletes people all the time. He has a lot of, uh, quality similar to Heinz. I gotta be honest, kind of the way he moves around. He had, a that, that great touchdown, you know, it was a pretty easy one, but he made that catch. He made a nice catch on third and long. And, uh, He did a good job blocking on the perimeter. So, you know, that's been a theme for the year as well for why Le'Veon hasn't been able to get those yards. Tomlin said it. We've said it here at the Steelers Outpost podcast. You need perimeter blocking, and he did a good job with that.
1: So the best news about Juju, other than his uh, emergent talent, is that we'll have him on the team for another 20 years because he's only 12
0: years old. Right. That's how that works. Sign him below the age of 16. They're usually locked in for about a good two decades. So you got him.
1: Uh, Martavis had three receptions for 48 yards. He had the longest reception of the day at 24. That's what we want to see go north of 30 to see that uh, Ben is truly back in the fold. So, well, listen, moving on to the office,
0: just, well, huh? just if you let me one more thing about sure. Marty before we move on, he was I mean, he should have had a touch, a 40 yard touchdown catch. He he crushed his man, he beat his man, Indeed. he did everything he could. If Ben delivered it to him, he would have had basically a hundred yard day and the touchdown. So I think Marty played great. That's what he does. It's either three catches for 30 or three catches for 120 and a touchdown. And he did a great job on that go route, burning his man. Just And then he did a good job uh, catching some passes that we don't usually see him catch in past years with those post patterns. And that's probably the third or fourth one he's caught this year, including uh, that in-cut a couple games ago on third down. So it's really great to see him go up and use his hands to catch the ball like that we're going to give the non-ab receivers a grade of a for their game.
1: We're going to move into the offensive line right now and I do love this offensive line. It's still solid even with Hubbard in there. There's not much of a detriment. Uh the run blocking is much better. Uh, as we said before, we want to see some bigger holes, but you know, they're doing they're doing enough job because Le'Veon is just a special player and is making it happen mostly on his own by falling forward. Pass blocking is very solid. Ben has time. Ben takes yep. advantage of every second and even more, uh, so I'm um, no complaints so does there. Le'Veon. But the, <laughs> the, but page the emerging, yeah, true, the emerging talent and a guy who's been coming on for a couple of years is Rosie Roosevelt. Yeah. Nix is an elite blocker. He leads well. Uh, I guess the one thing I, I would think is if you're just a straight ahead running back, you should just follow Rosie. The thing about the thing that I think is a little bit out of sync is Rosie does run into the line. He picks up his man, but Le'Veon is led back there, stays back behind the line to pick another hole. But I think Roosevelt Nix does his job and it's very impressive.
0: Well we're Again, gonna we're gonna include Rosie on that on the offensive line. He's a fullback, but I mean the dude blocks. That's what he does. And yeah, he does I mean I, I would actually like to point out more of those counterplays like I was talking about before, especially when they're to the left where he's pulling with David DeCastro, where DeCastro has come around And he knocks his man out of the play to the left side and makes a big hole, which Rosie then goes through and finds the safety or the linebacker. And he does a great job of connecting with that guy. If he's out in space, he's getting the guy. And Le'Veon does a good job setting it up. I'd encourage anybody to watch. uh, I think it was the 23-yard run from Le'Veon at some point uh, in the second half where it's a counter to the left. Rosie does such a great job. They're basically in an I formation. So Roosevelt is going to be in a three-point stance right behind Ben Roethlisberger. And then Le'Veon is going to be standing up right behind Rosie. So the play is basically fake run to the right. And then they're going to run actually to the left with David DeCastro, the guard, pulling over to the left side. Rosie, at the snap of the ball, basically takes a shuffle step to the right to try and trick the defense into thinking, hey, we're going right. There goes the fullback. Just follow him. And then he cuts back across the back of formation and leads into the hole that DeCastro created. And I was really impressed with his movement there. There was no wasted motion. You can tell this is something that they have to drill for these fullbacks because it was so smooth the way he made that cut back across and then went up there. And of course, Le'Veon gave him time to pick up his guy and then Le'Veon sprinted ahead for yardage. So he... Rosie's the man. I hope we see a lot more of him.
1: On the downside, I think that uh, Hubbard still has a little little way to go with pass blocking. Bill yeah. a way that had more lapses. The guy's still 20 pounds. <laughs> he's got to be still 20 pounds underweight right now. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's the reason that he, he uh, experiences lapses. So we'll be looking forward to him gaining a little weight over the week and uh, improving week by week.
0: Well, you know, he's like, 17 feet in the air too. Maybe there's some altitude it's leverage issue there. Uh, well, you know, but yeah, he's uh, he's regressed a little bit. So hopefully he he improves in that pass blocking over the next couple weeks.
1: Very self conscious about last week. So offensive line A minus.
0: A minus. Uh, let's move on to the tight ends. So the tight ends don't have a huge job for the Steelers these days, but they seem to be opportunistic. I'm going to give them an A for this game, despite. Well, actually, I'm going to change that at the last moment. I'm going to give them an A-. The reason why I'm going to give them an A- minus is because McDonald had another brutal drop. And a really nice throw from Ben. I think it was a third down play. Um, regardless, it was a beautiful pass from Ben. Another sign that the man is not regressing. And he's most likely going to lead the Steelers to their seventh Super Bowl championship this year. I digress. Their blocking was much better. McDonald had a great blocking day. Jesse did some good things on blocking. Jesse had another big catch. It was a 18-yarder on third and long. Awesome to see that. He's really picking up where he left off last year in the playoffs, and he's shown some flashes every game. So uh, besides that drop from McDonald, I think that they're really improving. Like I said, the perimeter blocking needs to get better for Le'Veon to have these bigger runs, and it got better today with the tight ends and with Juju and some of the receivers.
1: So we'll move into the head coach. We're going to go into um, – we'll talk about Mike Tomlin. I think we have to give him an A. I mean, we played yeah, above the definitely. played enough above the line to have a very convincing victory. It's a win you must have, like we should have had last week. Right. Um, good game plan. The I will say we do have to clean up the penalties. Whose fault Seriously. is that? This happens week after week. Uh, six offensive penalties in the first half for seventy yards. But let's let's we'll take the twenty six to nine victory.
0: Yeah, I think this happened a few years ago, and Tomlin started bringing in. NFL refs to practice. I don't remember if it cleaned it up or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that uh, coming out in the news soon, because those, those penalties, not only are they chewing up a lot of yardage, but they just always seem to be when the Steelers get in enemy territory. They're really timely. And I, I really think a huge theme of this season is getting in second and longs and third and longs. So they need to clean that up. I you know the players are out there, but I do think that at a certain point falls on Tomlin. The Steelers have lost games to underman Baltimore undermanned, I guess if you will, Baltimore teams in the past. So listen, I know they didn't have some guys. I know that Flacco isn't fully healthy, but this is a great win for the Steelers to win in Baltimore. Way to get the team back on track from Mike Tomlin. Good game playing, good good attitude. A. Hey. I
1: think we have to give the same grade to the offer, to, uh to. The offensive coach.
0: Todd that Ailey? You know his name?
1: <laughs> his name escaped me until just now. Sorry.
0: Well, he's, he doesn't give you a, a ton to, rem, to, to remember him by. But I actually changed this grade right before we started the show. I'm giving him an A-. minus Because, like I said, I like that he stuck to the game plan with running. Because without Brandon Williams and they had another defensive lineman out, who's a stud, whose name evades me right now for Baltimore. But they had some guys out Collins. it's it's still it's still the Baltimore Ravens. They play they have a lot of other guys. They got great linebackers, they got great safeties. They can play against the run, um, but I like the fact that they realized that the Steelers would be able to wear them down with less talent up front and as a result less depth. I liked some of the short yardage plays that he called, especially the shovel passes. But on the bad side for him and why I give him the minus is I just still haven't seen him create enough easy, quick completions for Ben. And some of that is because, you know, Ben will, needs to call hot routes and stuff like that. But, you know, misdirection, passing plays, you'd like to see some of that in there. Like the Falcons, what they would use last year with Kyle Shanahan or the Patriots always seem to be scheming people wide open. With Ben or Rogers or Russell Wilson, sometimes it seems like you just leave the guy back there. Like he'll find somebody. And whether that's because Ben, you know, maybe Ben doesn't want to hit the open guys or not, but it still seems like he's kind of got a gunsling back there. It would be nice for us to see him pull Tom Brady where Tom Brady falls back and is like, oh, here's the first person I'm looking at. Oh, he's wide open. This is great. So I'd like to see some of that. And then the offensive cliff dive in the third quarter where they just ran unsuccessfully and had no creativity and, let the Ravens get back into the game, that's that's no good, Haley. Come on, man. So A-minus because I do think that he did a good job sticking with that run and, and calling some good plays.
1: We'll move on to the defense. And the defense gets a B-minus. And you can't blame the defense for having good statistics against an undermanned, injured Baltimore team. Out of 12 possessions, the Ravens moved the ball more than 30 yards only four times. Four quarterback sacks, four Q- six QB hits. Seven tackles for loss and two interceptions. It's hard to argue with a day like that. I think we still need to solve the gash play. We had 2 we I'll keep Bye. mentioning it over and over. Uh, there are two gash plays. And uh, there were too many guys wide open. We still haven't been truly tested by an A-plus quarterback. It makes us nervous. I think that Artie, Artie still needs some seasoning. He has been caught. He's been, he's been leaving guys open behind him. Again, is that Artie's or is that the safety? It's tough to tell right now, it's but uh, he has yet to prove himself totally.
0: Yeah, I think the four sacks are great. You know, you've seen guys hold on to the ball too long in some of these prior games with Kaiser and, and Keenum, but I read today that the Steelers are actually on pace for 60 sacks this year, which is an outrageous number. Now, playing the Browns always helps that. I think we had have, have like, what, five or seven against them, but still – Four sacks on Flacco. He might be hurt, but he's a guy who knows how to get rid of the ball. And I know he's he's not playing very well right now, but he did turn it on at some point, in about the third fourth quarter there, where he started carving them up in the way that Flacco traditionally does, just being hyper accurate on those short and intermediate throws, usually those hook patterns to his receivers, and then being accurate on one or two beautiful deep throws that he hits. Luckily, they didn't connect with those, so. There was a flash of, "Hey, this is what a real quarterback can do to this defense." But you know, for the most part, they did what they needed to do.
1: So we give the overall defensive B minus. Why don't we move into the defensive
0: line? Defensive line, it was awesome to see the full complement of weapons playing with the money man Hayward into it, and the grave digger, aka J Wapple, aka Von Hargrave. I didn't see much of him this week, actually, uh, after he's been pushing people around. But Cam Hayward is, you know, knock on wood, he's playing the best I've ever seen him play. He's pushing people all over the place. It helps that there was no Marshall Yanda there. I uh, will acknowledge that. But still, hey, they're getting good, good push on that defensive line. It looks like this is going to be a formidable unit for the Steelers. I'm, we're giving them an A.
1: So moving on to the inside linebackers. The grade has to be a B. if Until we solve this C-gap problem of the 21-yard, the 50-yard runs, uh, we're not going to be able to give them an A. But you cannot help but be awed by Ryan Shazier. I saw yeah. a lot fewer uh, overshots by him. He seemed to be all over the field. Uh, when he and Williams are both filling the gap on one side, it seems to be him who picks up the tackle. So it's incredible in the, okay. with uh Five minutes and 50 seconds left in the second quarter. Forced a fumble in the backfield from Collins, the one that Hayward recovered. So I am flat out so impressed by Shea, Ryan Shazier. And thank goodness he hasn't been injured yet this year. Knock on wood.
0: Oh, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. no, you know, that. I mean, that's the one. Nah, I mean, it's just, it's just what happens is football. You know, he's a slighter guy. That's what makes him so dynamic and so freaking fast. He's a damn... Gazelle, cheetah, hybrid, robot, vampire, monster, man, stud, beast, Ryan Shazier. I don't think he forced the fumble, but he grabbed the running back and kind of turned him around, which made him susceptible to the fumble that Cam punched out. And then he, uh, again, that interception was awesome. I know it looked pedestrian, but go back and look at it the way that he identifies the guy running in the complete opposite direction. They're, They're passing. They're ships in the night their cars on the road two Mercedes Benz going in opposite directions. And he spins on a dime and goes and catches this guy. And then he tips the ball to get the interception for Hilton. So he's a one man wrecking crew. He really reminds me a lot of Troy. Honestly, Uh, Troy might've not had so many plays that he would overrun like Shazier does, but the way that he creates turnovers is faster than everyone on the field and can cover up for a lot of the Steelers mistakes is awesome. That being said, he does miss. He does still overrun a lot of plays, but thank goodness the Steelers have him.
1: We'll give the inside linebackers a B. So move on to the outside, line- outside linebackers.
0: Uh, nondescript from them. I think they're doing well. You know, obviously we're not getting anywhere close to to Lamar Woodley and James Harrison heydays, but they did a good job. They, for the most part, sealed the edge. We got contained. We got another one or two unblocked sacks for Bud. It seems like we need to get a compilation of all of Bud Dupree's sacks in his career. Because if you're honest with yourself, he might be an Adonis, but he nobody blocks him. All of his sacks are untouched. The first one against Tom Brady in his career, I still remember that. And wanting to be like, hey, yeah, you got our first round pick, you got a, got a sack in the first game. Yeah, nobody blocked him. People, I don't know. Maybe that's one of his best qualities, stealth. I
1: think, he, I think he's now unsurprised by the fact he finds himself in the backfield untouched. And he said before he would be so surprised he would pull up a little short. But now he's finishing it. He's, he's using those orangutan arms, those 12-foot arms to wrap up. Last week he missed a few. This week it seemed he wrapped up really well. So awesome job by, um, by the big man. But we gave an overall grade to, of a B. I wanted to mention, I thought they did great on the containment, but uh, I think they did great on the containment. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, they did a good job. And not much to say about T.J. Watt today. Hopefully he's just working his way back from injury. He did have a really nice play where he tackled the running back in the backfield for the loss. Didn't get much of a block on him, but it was so nice to see him reach out his long python arms and wrap the guy up. T.J. Watt has... And that guy is just a, a football player. He is just coordinated. When you see him on the way he wraps up quarterbacks and running backs, uh, Bud needs to improve on that. Uh, all of the players on the defense seem to need to improve on that besides uh, Cam and, and Watt. It's, it's really nice to see, you know, that talent from Watt. That's what they talked about him a lot when he was coming out is just his technique and his hand usage. And it's not just in a pass rushing. It's when he made that interception and it's when he wrapped up the running back today or on Sunday. So, uh, not too much from him, but still it's cool to see that play.
1: So move on to the cornerbacks. Uh, I thought the silver bullet, Mike Hilton had a good game. They tackled. Okay. But you still can't overlook the wide open receivers way past the secondary. Uh, yeah. Only to be saved by, uh, by Flacco's inaccuracy as I said before the wide receivers ineptitude. Yeah. And, and, and it if doesn't you watch that, last dri- get- that last drive was amaz- That last drive he engineered was amazing. He Michael. he marched on 71 yards time and time again. He we didn't they didn't run the ball once on that last uh series and they were getting 8 yards at a clip.
0: And the Steelers were in prevent defense at that time basically realizing that hey, each one of these plays is going to take at least 20 to 30 seconds off the clock. So there's that. But Joe Flacco did get hot for a minute there. And uh, he, like I said, he carved up the Steelers for about a quarter until Ryan Shazier put an end to that. Um, that's something that we didn't have the past few years when he was dominating us in Baltimore. We didn't have that difference maker because Shazier was usually in street clothes, and there's definitely nobody else who could do that. But, um, you know, Flacco hitting those intermediate zones. It does suck to see the trader score yet again. Uh, Mike Wallace got a touchdown on a gorgeous throw from flacco
1: job of yeah. keeping the ball in front of him he made some nice tackles he had a great pass defense uh, i don't know whose responsibility it was that wallace was standing wide open you have to pin some of that i guess on sean davis but i would give him a b
0: well i know that on the one that wallace dropped that was actually jj wilcox who was on his side and jj didn't get over fast enough, but he, to his credit, he was going to lay him out after or at least tackle him after Wallace caught the ball and, and prevent Wallace from going any farther, which would be nice. But, uh, I thought the safety, yeah, I'll give them a B. I think, um, it was pretty embarrassing to see Wilcox get stiff armed on that 50 yard run. That was pretty bad. Joe Hayden had to run him down. Actually TJ Watt was in the pile, but yeah, they played okay. Like I said, the Steelers haven't been tested yet. They're not going to be tested next week with Blake Bortles to some extent. And then the week after that, you know, it's Alex Smith. So who knows? Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. You're moving moving quite quickly because isn't this what we said about Chicago?
0: I'm not saying the Steelers are going to win, but I'm saying that there's no (laughs) – that you really don't have a good judge of how good they are. I mean, like I said, Alex Smith is probably a good enough indication. I mean, if Blake Bortles – throws for a lot of yards on youth, then I promise you your secondary sucks. But uh, that being said, you know, I don't know. Just those lapses in in what should be 50-yard touchdowns, if these quarterbacks that we've played weren't so inept, there will be about four or five, probably three or four of those 50-yard touchdowns already this year, and the narrative will be totally different. And that was just, you know, blind luck.
1: So as you pointed out, we – Play the jaguars next week hopefully it's not the test that it will be the ensuing week against the Kansas City Chiefs who are by right now losing to the Washington Football Club 10 to seven but that will be a test that will tell us who the per- what the personality of the Pittsburgh Steeler football team is.
0: Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't remember if we gave the cornerbacks a grade. We, we're giving them a C just because we need to see a little bit more. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's not. We'll take a look at the All 22. Uh, the last guy we'll grade is is Butler, defensive coordinator. Gotta give him a B minus. Once again, it seemed like on that long, the first play of the game, it seemed like the Ravens were overloaded to one side, and the Steelers just didn't think that it was worth it to put uh, enough guys on that side. A little awkward, um, but the pressures were cool. Mike, uh, The silver bullet, Mike Hilton got a sack off of a nice corner blitz and almost got there in another one. I like how he's varying varying up those those type of pressures, but you know it is weird to see middle linebackers blitzing on all of these run plays, which gets them totally out of position. I don't know if, if they're doing that on their own, just trying to make a play on it, or if those are called blitzes. But if those called blitzes, this needs to stop because that's where all the, the problems are happening. So B-minus, they they held the Ravens to, you know, nine points.
1: Well, good news is Steelers scored its uh, season high 26 points Holding uh, the Ravens to the season low nine points, we come away with a great. It's a good victory. Uh, it feels good to win in Baltimore. Let's not rate this game on style points. It's an A plus when the Steelers win.
0: It is, and when they win in Baltimore and take sole possession of first place in the AFC North. Now, the I, I do think the Bengals would be more of a challenge than they than they the record indicates right now. But you know, if you can go four and zero against the Bengals and the Ravens that you're going to have a great season because those guys always seem to snatch one from you at some point And usually that one is in Baltimore. So it's great to get that out of the way. I will say the Steelers won 26 to nine, which is the same score as the Vikings game, 26 to nine Steelers victory that time. So uh, I'll take that score any day. Uh, let's hope that we get to see the Steelers get to that 30 mark against the Jaguars. It looks like it's finally the Steelers are coming back home. It's only their second home game this season. The Jaguars have a stacked defensive line and a loaded secondary with some great linebackers. So it'll be a good test for the Steelers. They've played a bunch of stout defenses so far this season, and this next week won't be any different.
1: Well, thanks for joining us for the Steelers Outpost podcast. This was episode four. Join us next week after the Jaguars game. Hopefully we have the same rosary report we just gave you tonight Again, uh, if you have any comments or suggestions, we welcome them. We're, this show is still in formation; our our glory is emerging. So, drop us a line at www. Nope, that doesn't work. This is an email address. Just send it to <laughs> Steelers <laughs> Outpost at gmail.com. But visit the website at www.SteelersOutpost.com. Check
0: it out. We got graphs. We got blogs. We got everything you guys need. Hot picks, stats. We we'll break it down for you.
1: Next week, we'll have. Well, we'll start tweeting one of these days too. Uh maybe not anyway thanks for joining us talk to you next week Bye bye
0: there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs.
1: Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Reddick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.